1846, Seam had a modest public news and reading room on North Terrace, named the Mechanics Institute. Residents of the town aspired for a building on a grander scale, with increased facilities. Fred Cooper is a resident of Seam and local historian. His book, A History of the Londonderry Literary Institute, Seam Harbour, explains how it came about, putting its creation in the context of the Mechanics Institute movement. Dr Birkbeck was responsible in 1823 for the founding of the Mechanics Institute in London, later to become Birkbeck College, and the movement spread until, in 1850, there were over 600 Mechanics Institutes in England, with a membership of up to half a million individuals. These institutions reflected a growing perception among British middle-class social reformers and aspiring working-class individuals that engineering, technology and sciences were becoming increasingly important in manufacturing processes and practices. This was the underlying movement in the early 19th century which led to the building of the Londonderry Literary Institute at Seam Harbour. It was made possible with the patronage of the Londonderries and opened in 1854, incorporating a main hall, reading room and a library. Fred Cooper states... The number of readers subscribed to the library by the end of the first year was 797. Modern libraries increasingly hold collections of what has become known as cli-fi, which is short for climate fiction. It has become a recognised genre, addressing issues of climate change and global warming within narratives. American journalist and green activist Dan Bloom is widely credited with having invented the term. He explains in an interview with Claude Forthome, a senior editor for Impactor, how he used the term for a press release he had written in 2012 about a climate-themed book by American author Jim Lafter called Polar City Red, which is set in Alaska in 2075. The term was picked up by a climate scientist called Judith Kerry, who wrote a blog declaring it a fledgling new genre in literature and puts together a list of 20 titles to suit. This led to a discussion of the term on America's national public radio station, and it became a thing, a new genre, invariably dystopian. The first cli-fi novel, Jim Lafter's Polar City Red, set in 2075, tells the story of a family seeking refuge in the frozen north, in a time of chaos as climate refugees flee from the impact of rising sea levels facing scarcity of food, fuel and shelter. Its prologue sets the scene, describing the impact of the continued use of fossil fuels and disregard for nature. Jim Lafter describes how, in time, only the craggy high mountaintops of Scotland, Germany, Turkey and Switzerland testified to the fact that Europe had ever existed. Whole populations were forced to seek shelter by evacuating their homes, surging by the millions northward into Russia and Scandinavia, overcrowding the continents of the world, seeking shelter where they could find it, or take it. Many works that predate the creation of the term cli-fi have been declared as being written in the genre. Titles by Ian McEwan, Jeanette Winterson, Margaret Atwood are included. For example, Jeanette Winterson's novel, The Stone Gods, published in 2007, is set on the planet Orbis, a world much like planet Earth. 
it is running out of resources, suffering from the impact of climate change. Its inhabitants hope to take advantage of a newly discovered planet which appears perfect for human life. We have heard how Annabella Milbank of Seam Hall married poet Lord Byron, separating in 1816. 1816 was also the year without summer, as the impact of a series of Pacific Ocean volcanic eruptions culminating in an eruption of Mount Tambora, Indonesia, was felt across the Northern Hemisphere. By summer 1816, Lord Byron had left England for Europe, holidaying with friends in a villa overlooking Lake Geneva. They were forced to spend much time indoors due to relentless rain. Whilst there, he wrote his apocalyptic poem, Darkness, as a response to the year without summer. The waves were dead, the tides were in their grave, the moon, their mistress, had expired before, the winds were withered in the stagnant air, and the clouds perished, darkness had no need of aid from them, she was the universe. The walk continues back onto the seafront, heading south towards the Durham Heritage Coast. The next stop is Seam Harbour, and as the walk heads south, it moves away from the town and its public amenities, such as coffee shops and cafes.